0: And good evening and a warm welcome to Tuesday's Richie Allen Show. How are you this evening? It's five o'clock, by the way, in the Northwest in Salford. It's me, your BBG, with you till seven o'clock at UK time. I've got two brilliant guests lined up for you today. Thanks for finding me.
1: It's the BBG, not the BBC. This is your Richie Allen Show, live from the magnificent city of Salford.
0: It's the Richie Allen Show, broadcasting live on richieallen.co.uk and multiple platforms around the world. And now, here's your host, Richie Allen. Now, have you ever heard of Layla Sentner? You might have heard of Layla. Back in April, uh, the school she co founded, the Sentner Academy, wrote to staff to tell. Them that vaccinated employees would no longer be allowed to work directly with students because of concerns that the vaccinated represented some sort of threat or medical problem to the unvaccinated. And even more recently, she told parents, did Layla, that if their children were vaccinated for COVID 19, they should stay home for 30 days. I can't wait to meet Layla. She co founded, as I said, the Sentinel Academy. ...with her husband David Sentner back in 2019. She's a really interesting lady. I've already said that, I think. She'll join me shortly, in fact, at this hour. Later on then, this evening, we'll be rejoined by Stephen... ...the registered NHS nurse and clinical researcher... ...who was on with me two weeks ago today... ...to tell me he was worried about being forced to leave his job soon... ...because of the COVID vaccine mandate. We left a lot, a lot even unsaid, last uh, Tuesday week... So Stephen is back on the programme, he'll be with me in the second hour, you don't want to miss him. That is Tuesday's programme, it's the 26th of October 2021, Richie Allen with you, the BBG from BBG Towers, sure there's nothing like it. Yeah I don't normally do that do I, play the entire theme tune. But I did today. Yes, Layla Sentner introduced to me by my pal CJ. The school is in Florida. She's been in the news even today in Florida about that decision to say to parents listen, if the kiddies are vaccinated, do keep them away for about 30 days. We'll talk to Layla soon. Stephen, then in our two. How's your Tuesday been? All right, all right, all right. Listen, let's just not mess around. Because there's some serious breaking news from Sky, and it's about how we're all going to die.
1: We start with breaking news. The head of the UN has warned that the world is heading for a climate catastrophe, with countries' plans to cut emissions falling far short of curbing dangerous warming. The intervention from the UN Secretary-General comes less than a week before world leaders meet in Glasgow for the crucial COP26 confer- conference on climate change, hosted by the UK.
0: Yes, climate catastrophe. Here is the UN Secretary-General, Antonio Guterres. The clock is ticking. clock is ticking. The
2: emissions gap is the result of a leadership gap but
3: leaders can still make this a turning point to a greener future instead of a tipping point to climate catastrophe. The era of off
2: measures and all promises must end. The time for closing this leadership gap must begin in Glasgow.
0: Glasgow, which of course begins on Sunday, October thirty first. Five more days to Halloween, Silver Shamrock. Five more days to Halloween. Yes, Halloween 3. One of my favourite films in the franchise, funnily enough, is the one without Michael Myers. What does climate catastrophe even mean? What the feck does it mean? Does it mean we're fecked? Talk radio this morning. You know it's sometimes said that I give talk radio a pass and bash LBC radio. Not true, really. But anyway, look, you know, here you go. Mike Graham, the presenter, sitting in for Julia Hartley Brewer on breakfast. She must be on her Hollyers. The thinking man's bit of crumpet. Anywho, Mike Graham had a guy on called Cameron Ford from Insulate Britain. It didn't go well. Insulate Britain has been blocking the highways and byways and says it will continue to do so, even if its members get put in jail until the government spends billions, if not trillions, on insulating every home in the country. Here's Micah Graham with Cameron Ford from Insulate Britain. Oh, hello.
4: What are you glued to, Cameron?
1: Uh, just your screen, unfortunately.
4: Unfortunately? What do you do for a living, well, Cameron?
1: I'm a carpenter.
4: A carpenter, right. So how safe is that for the
1: climate? Well, I work with timber, which is a much more sustainable material rather than concrete. I also but you retro- work with fill. trees
4: that have been cut down, then don't you?
1: It's a sustainable building practice.
4: How is it sustainable if you're killing trees?
1: Because it's regenerative, you can grow trees. Right. Well, you can you can grow all sorts of things, can't you? Well, you can't grow concrete. You can.
4: See you, Cameron. Cheerio. And then he kicked him off. That was Cameron. Uh, he grows trees and then cuts them down and then makes things from them. Brilliant. Marvellous. I don't think I ever want to talk to any of those people.
0: Why did you invite them on then, or your producer? Talk Radio puts its or sets itself up as the home of free speech and declares regularly that it will host debates with people where other commercial radio stations won't. But that's pathetic by Mike Graham. Absolutely pathetic to do that to the lad. Uh, Partly because, as I've said before on this programme, many of these young men, middle-aged men, elderly men and women who are involved with groups like Insulate Britain, they believe, they really do believe that the world is about to end. It isn't, of course. There is no climate catastrophe, but these people believe it. That's a pretty shabby way to treat people. It's dreadful from a radio station that says it's the home of free speech. Mike Graham, I don't think very much of him as a presenter. He's just an old tabloid hack, isn't he, Graham? That's the sort of behaviour that you'd expect, I suppose. Anyway, staying with the climate. Come here, come here, shut the door, come here. Come here, shut the door, come here. Did you hear this? Selfies are killing the planet. No, really, selfies are killing... The planet. Here is Sarah Hewson on Sky News with a bombshell.
3: The nation's selfie-takers may be forced to rethink their habits after new research has has revealed the unexpected scale of carbon emissions produced by simply storing photos. (laughs) The study from the Institution of Engineering and Technology claims that unwanted digital photos produce the same amount of carbon emissions as more than 100,000 return flights from London to Australia. They're calling it dirty data. (laughs)
1: Fraser <laughs> Moon <laughs> has the
0: story. Selfie-takers, you might have to rethink your selfie-taking because the storing of your selfies produces more carbon than thousands of airplane flights. Unbelievable. Let's hear the report then from Fraser.
4: A <laughs> picture may paint a thousand words, but it might also be contributing to the climate crisis. A new survey is calling us out what it calls our dirty data habits. Storing millions of unnecessary photos and videos on servers around the world, creating a carbon footprint as big as the airline industries.
0: Yeah, because when you save stuff in the cloud and you've all of this space to save your stuff, your pictures and your videos, obviously this is powered by very big computers that are using electricity. And, well, they're, they're emitting carbon. So selfie and video takers, you baxters. You're killing the planet.
3: You don't tend to think.
0: This is an expert.
3: Think about photos and data having that much of an impact on a car- your carbon footprint. You tend to think of aviation. You tend to think of transport. Social snapping contributes to three hundred and fifty thousand tons of CO two. Two. So put that into perspective. That's a lot of data. That's.
0: Contributing to a lot of c o two over twelve minutes <laughs> <coughs> ah we've we've not had that for a while, have we yeah you, you need to go through your phone now and delete the seventeen thousand pictures of your big ginger moggy tabby cat yeah. Because the the saving of those pictures is creating enough carbon, well, to kill, to kill the planet. Everything will soon be killing the planet. Do you get that feeling that pretty soon everything you do will be, will be attributed to, well, killing the planet? Ultimately, they will reduce, 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 reduce what we can do until we all die or 6.75 billion of us die. Anyway, it's 10 past the hour. Isn't Nicola Sturgeon a rotten little tyrant, isn't she? It's a little troll, isn't she? Here she is today in Holyrood, pouring on the tyranny, telling people what to do. It's cranky.
3: The pressures on the NHS are a reminder that Covid uh, is still a threat to our individual health and also to the capacity of our health and care services. This is why continued high compliance with existing mitigations and protections is so vitally important.
0: Now, high compliance, continue the high compliance.
3: Um, At this moment of fragility therefore I am asking all of us across the country to make a renewed individual and collective effort to stick to the basic protections that are still in place and help drive cases down again. Uh, Please wear face coverings when required, ventilate indoor spaces wherever possible, wash hands and surfaces, use LFD tests regularly and book a PCR test if one of these LFD tests shows up positive or if you have symptoms of COVID, or if you are identified as a close contact of someone who is positive. Please also continue to give contact details when visiting pubs and restaurants, for example.
0: Never ends, does it? Please keep using the LFD tests. And if the LFD test comes back positive, use a PCR test. Keep, uh, please keep uh, ventilating and, and all of that jazz. And keeping your distance and wearing your mask, it never ends. Never end.
3: And show your COVID certificate. Show your COVID certificate. certificate If visiting a venue where this is required. The COVID certification scheme has been operational now for more than three weeks and is now enforceable by law. And I'm grateful to the businesses who have worked hard to comply with the scheme. Uh, And last but not least. uh, Continue to ask people to work from home.
0: Work from home.
3: Whenever that is possible. uh, And this does continue to be an important way of reducing transmission. My God. The Scottish Government will continue to work with business to support an appropriate phased return to office working.
0: An appropriate phased return to office working. The government will work with business to determine when it is appropriate for you to return to your office.
3: But it is important to stress that at this stage, we're still encouraging people to work from home as much as possible. And I'm grateful to employers who continue to do everything possible to provide safe environments for both their workers and their customers.
0: Wait till you hear how she concludes the little bastard.
3: Siding officer, in summary, this is a moment again for all of us to step up our compliance with...
0: Step up your compliance... It's a moment for all of us to step up our compliance
3: for both their workers and their customers.
0: Shocking this, I'm isn't
3: sorry. it? Officer. That they
0: can get away with saying this to people. And they have no fear of reprisal. None. Sturgeon has absolutely no fear of the future. She has no fear of the people. She can say what she says now.
3: This is a moment again for all of us to step up our compliance with these basic protections.
0: Basic protections, yeah. Nicola Sturgeon there, Scotland's First Minister, speaking this afternoon. Do drop me a message through the website richieallen.co.uk. It's comment live, you can't miss it. Click on it and then comment live. It couldn't be simpler. Couldn't be simpler. Now, Mariana Spring is the BBC's disinformation reporter. <laughs> That's what she is the BBC's disinformation reporter. Here she is being interviewed by her own channel, BBC News. About her appearance, Spring appeared before a Commons Select Committee to talk about the Online Harms Bill and disinformation. You will hear the BBC News presenter first.
3: Now MPs have been hearing evidence from the BBC's disinformation reporter, Mariana Spring, on the issue of social media abuse and online harms. Mariana testified at a hearing of the Joint Parliamentary Committee on the Draft Online Safety Bill. And she reported last week that she'd been subject to abusive messages on social media daily,
0: saying misogynistic hate language is a regular occurrence. Well, she's with me now. Mariana, thank you very much for being with us. I should say, we advise you a disinformation report. Your job is not to give in disinformation, it's to help us spot it and (laughs) explain what's going on. First thing is, I mean, it's slightly daunting to be hauled before a parliamentary committee. What did they ask you? What did they ask you? This is good, though. I should say, we advise you a disinformation report. Your job is not to... Give disinformation. Yes, her job is to give disinformation. It's to help us spot it and explain what's going on. Yeah, we don't need so any help from we we don't need any help from Mariana Spring on how to spot this information, and it is her job to to. Uh, to spread this information. Here's the answer anyway, what was going on?
1: I was mainly talking about uh, the Panorama investigation, which went out last week, and um, which focused on online abuse targeting women. Um, I've experienced a lot of online hate for my reporting on uh, uh, anti-vaccine content and conspiracy theories and the real world impact that they have. Um, and I found by covering that human cost, it comes at a human cost to me. I've received rape threats, death threats. Um, but what struck me is how universal my experience has been. Um, and so I interviewed lots and lots of women across public life, but also Um, have spoken to many outside of the public eye who've experienced online hate and that's much of what I was telling MPs today, talking about their experiences, how they feel let down often by uh, law enforcement or social media sites. Specifically, I spoke about an experiment that we carried out as part of the Panorama Mm. investigation. We set up a dummy troll account uh, that was based on accounts that send me abuse. His name was Barry uh, and uh, he mainly engaged in anti-vaccine and conspiracy content like the accounts Mm. that send me abuse but also some misogynistic content and he did some hate on his wall but totally private mm. he wasn't
0: he posted some hate tro- listen to the news speak this is the ministry of truth now i've written about this extensively on richieallen.co.uk listen to the terminology listen to the words they use the words like like posted hate it doesn't mean anything it's a ridiculous turn of phrase it's absolutely ridiculous but um it's 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 all the rage now posted hate how do you do that trolling anyone
1: and what we found over the course of the two weeks was actually that he was uh, being promoted more misogynistic hate by facebook and instagram by the end of the experiment he was almost exclusively receiving that kind of content
0: yeah that's the bbc admitting publicly that it doesn't report on the news it creates the news it's like entrapment kind of you see the the analogy i'm drawing here oh we set up a fake account called barry And we used Barry to put out all sorts of misogynistic and hateful content just to see what came back. That's creating, not reporting the news. And it also begs the question, if you're doing it, Mariana, you daft mayor, who do you think else is doing it? Who else might be doing that? If you're setting up fake accounts to troll people and call them names, I wonder who else is doing it. Are the intelligence agencies doing it? Are those who want to lock the internet down and bring in, well, basically usher in the death of free speech? Are maybe some of those people setting up accounts to troll people? Maybe. She's wretched, isn't she, that woman who works for the BBC? But what are you going to do? I mean, what are you going to do? Meanwhile, Joanna Lumley, absolutely fabulous. You might remember her, Jennifer Saunders. Joanna Lumley... I suggested that wartime rationing might be able to offset the climate crisis. She said to Times Radio, these are tough times. There's got to be legislation, says the- Joanna. That was how the war was, and at some stage we might even have to go back to some kind of rationing where you're given a certain number of points and it's up to you how to spend them whether it's buying a bottle of whiskey or flying in an aeroplane. That's social crediting right there. Rationing, you are given a certain number of points with which you can buy things, right? Now, you could also say some people wouldn't get any points. You don't get any points this week. Why? Well, because your your carbon footprint is a bit too big. That also goes to Klaus Schwab's you-will-be-happy-with-nothing idea. So you won't even have any money. You won't be buying stuff with money. You'll be buying it with points. And you might not get points because you might be a bad citizen. And you certainly won't be able to spend those points on chicken on Monday. Pork chops on Tuesday. Little bit of minced beef on Wednesday. No, no, you'll only be allocated meat maybe once a month. Joanna Lumley there. Nice little bit of tyranny. Yeah, let's bring in wartime rationing to save the planet. And the story that gave me belly laughs today... It really did. It was a story on the BBC website. I've linked to it on my own website, ritchieallen.co.uk It made me giggle. It was a story about lesbians being accused of transphobia because they've turned down sex with trans women. They feature The BBC features Jenny who's a lesbian from Lesbania. It's about 200 miles south of Crete, apparently. Lesbania. So Jenny's a lesbian which means that she prefers women. She's attracted mostly to women, right, or or exclusively uh, to women. Jenny is a real woman, a genuine bona fide, bona fide, dyed-in-the-wool woman. How do we know? Well, because she's menopausal, she has ovaries, she has a vagina. She's a genuine woman, a real one. And she's been hammered because she basically said that she wouldn't shag a tranny, effectively, because a tranny's not a real woman. Now, she put it more delicately, delicately than that, which I got into on the website today. She basically said that she's only attracted to biological women, real women, and she's been hammered. It made me giggle anyway. It's one of many stories on the website in the last couple of days, richieallen.co.uk. Do check check, check them out. Hopefully, and I think we will be joined by Layla Sentner live from Florida in a couple of minutes' time. It's Tuesday's Richie Allen Show on a muggy, kind of humid, Tuesday here in Seoul, for it. it's not cold, but it's smoggy and it's overcast. I'm talking over Michael. This is Don't Stop Till You Get Enough from Off The Wall on The Richie Allen Show, which is the world's most listened to independent news radio show. Thank you for making it so. Lots to talk about today. Good to be with you as always. Michael Jackson 26 minutes past the hour the Richie Allen show live from Salford in the northwest of the UK thousands of comments on richieallen.co.uk. huge interest in my first guest today I can't wait to meet her either you know we we talk a lot we 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 maybe talk too much about the tyranny and we say not enough people are standing up to the tyranny to mask mandates to vaccine mandates, but there are people standing up to it. My first guest today is one such person. She's an extraordinary woman. We learned about her back in April when she wrote to her staff that vaccinated employees wouldn't be allowed to work directly with students. This was understandable at the time because there were concerns or concerns were raised that vaccinated people were having an effect on non-vaccinated people. Remember the menstrual cycle uh, stuff that we were hearing uh, from from here in the UK and Ireland and elsewhere? More recently, uh, my guest and her school told parents that if their children were vaccinated against COVID-19, that maybe it would be a good idea to keep them at home for 30 days before bringing them back to the school. Let's welcome to the programme the co-founder of um, the Centner Academy uh, in Florida. It seems like an amazing school. Let's welcome to the programme uh, the Chief Happiness Officer and, as I said, the co-founder of the Academy, Leila Sentner. Layla, it's lovely to speak with you. How are you today?
2: How are you today? Lovely to speak with you.
0: I'm really, I'm really well, and I know your time is in demand, so it's uh, it's it's great to have you on this afternoon. And I've been following the story with 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 great interest, and it seems that every other day there in Florida, local news, Fox News, and other affiliates, they're on your case. They're covering the story. Now, I saw last night that you might have had a, reth- a rethink about about the children staying home for thirty days if they've had the vaccine. Is that true? What's happening?
2: Well, it's not really a rethink. The uh, the the federal government agency basically came down on me hard because we have some kids at our school that are on federal scholarships and they basically sent us a letter and we were under the impression that since there were so many schools having kids quarantined because of covid that we had the same rights and we were learned that we were explained that that's not the case at all that we are actually not allowed to quarantine the kids uh, because of the vaccine, so we did. We had to uh, pivot and basically pull that back, because we didn't want our decision to uh, punish kids who, um, you know, th- you know they're 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 just innocent bystanders here. And at the end of the day, uh, from the time the whole media frenzy ha- happened, not one parent actually asked that they want to vaccinate their child. So for us. It was kind of a non-issue and we thought we can easily pull this back and there aren't any ramifications since, since none of our parents want this anyway. I feel like we have a very aligned community. You know, our community is super holistic. I don't know how much you've seen about us on our website, but we meditate. We do sound bowl healing. These kids eat gluten-free, sugar-free, dairy-free. So we're constantly working on building a strong immune system. You know, our kids are outside in the sun five days a week during PE. Most schools don't have this.
0: No, they don't. My school certainly didn't when I went to school. And Let, let me just say this. It, as you know... I had to do due diligence. So I went online as the sly fox that I am, Leila, and I tried to find criticism of you and David and the Academy by parents and and teachers, and I really couldn't find any. I I really couldn't. It seems that what you've been doing there since 2019 is is greatly loved and appreciated. I really did look for some criticism, just to be fair, so I could throw some criticism at you, not to, 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 to kind of be sneaky, but that's my job. But you, you're right, the, 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 the parents and the families seem to be on your side, even back in April, when you suggested that teachers who chose the job shouldn't be with the children. You didn't have much or any resistance at all, am I right in saying that?
2: Well, actually, last year I had a lot of resistance. I had a Back community- in
0: 2020. This is 2020, uh,
2: 2020. yeah. It actually, yeah, it was six months ago when this came out in April. I did have a lot of resistance. I probably had about 50% of my community or less that were very much in alignment with the propaganda that the media was spewing, an alignment with kids being forced to wear ah. a mask, an alignment with kit- <clears throat> the vaccines, the COVID vaccines that are going out. And so uh, I ended up letting those parents out of their contract because I said, "Look, if this is if this school is not in alignment with you, I don't want you to be where you don't where you don't feel that you fit."
0: Fair enough.
2: But what happened is we brought in one hundred and five new parents, new families, and these families are just so much in alignment that when this new media thing, the whole fiasco broke. I was receiving beautiful emails from so many parents saying, we're here to support you. Thank you for fighting for our kids. Thank you for standing up against the unknown because that's what we're fighting against. It's not that I'm trying to say anything about, you know, this is the way it is. I'm saying there is so much out there with anecdotal evidence that because we are in a trial phase, because the science is not out and concluded either way, because there's so much, um, there's entries that are being made into the CDC database of things that are happening to people who are being vaccinated, because there's so many cases being reported from unvaccinated people on so many different uh, websites and social media sites that are being taken down, that because we don't know what we don't know, I would rather be safe than sorry. And because we're a holistic community, because we have a certain way of life, um, that's why this year my parents have been super supportive. In fact, uh, many of my parents have spoke to the reporters, but the reporters will not uh, put their. They won't perspective- publish
0: that. They won't publish it. Thanks for clearing that up for me, because I, you know, I've gone looking and I've just seen support. So some parents in April weren't happy, but it was amicable. You said okay, you go your way and we'll go ours, and you filled uh, those spots with, with families and children who, who you know whose ideas are aligned with you. Thanks for that. Why, Leila? It, share with our listeners, and by the way, you're right, there is enough evidence on the VAERS reporting system, CDC, in your country. There is enough evidence on the the UK government side. We have a yellow card reporting system here. There's, a, there, there's, there's enough to be going on with, to be worried about these jabs. So, that, that that's basically it. Right. So back in April, you, you, you were concerned not only about what the jabs might do to those who receive them, but also what those who receive them might pass on to the unjabs. Explain that to me.
2: Yeah. So I was hearing uh, case studies. I was hearing information directly from various doctors in the field where they have been think- seeing things that they've never seen in their whole life including one pediatrician who has been a pediatrician for 40 years. He said the things that he sees in his office, the first thing he asks, basically asks, is, has your child been around someone recently vaccinated? And he gave me examples of a 20 month old baby girl who had just spent the entire weekend with, uh, with her uh, grandparents that were recently vaccinated coming in, who's bleeding from the vagina 20 month old baby. Uh, a three-year-old boy with a a rash around his scrotum after being around his recently vaccinated parents. You know, a a 94-year-old grandma coming out of menopause after being around someone recently vaccinated. So because we are in the trial phase, everything needs to be proven that it's not the case and assumed that it is the case. That's basic science. Yeah. And that's what I'm understanding from a lot of my doctor friends. In fact, If you look up the Pfizer protocol document, and by the way, the fact checkers have tried to debunk this, but I don't believe any of their debunkings. On page 67 through 69, it says very, very clearly that if somebody who is unvaccinated is around someone who is recently vaccinated and that person that's unvaccinated is demonstrating any sort of side effects, it must be reported to the investigator. And it clearly states Uh, that this could happen via skin contact or inhalation. So what does that tell you? If they're telling you to report anything strange happening to anyone unvaccinated, near someone recently vaccinated, then we should all be in red alert. And instead of censoring the person saying, I'd rather be cautious, instead of bamboozling them or making them look to be conspiracy theorists, why not say, hey, this school is just being careful. This school doesn't know the answers. This school has no idea. And all the school is trying to do is to protect their kids from the unknown in this community where it feels like it's very much the wild, wild west right now.
0: And I have a
2: responsibility to protect them.
0: Your responsibility is to the well-being of the children in in, in your care. I get that. And you make a good point about the, the acknowledgement that there is a possibility that the jabbed person... Could be somehow harmful to the unjabbed if that wasn 't a possibility, why would they write about it in the notes number one that's that 's the obvious question and number two it 's obvious then that they know that this is a possibility they 're fully aware of uh, the possibility and, and and you were very aware of this back in back in April, and I understand that from Am I right in saying, Leila, that from the get go, you wouldn't allow or you wouldn't insist on the children wearing masks or distancing or any of that stuff?
2: Yeah, it's actually this is funny you asked this question because uh, CNN was able to get a hold of a parent from last year. And the parent said on the interview, you know, you know, basically that the school is an evil, wicked school because we (laughs) used to tell her daughter to take off the mask. My God. You know, it's interesting. basically said, you know, they're always talking about healthy foods and making me feel bad for giving my kids sugar at home. First of all, we don't make anybody feel bad for giving their kids sugar. We just are constantly teaching our families about healthy eating, healthy way of life. So I think I thought it was interesting that they were able to pull up an old parent who basically the only bad thing she could say about me was that, we did not want the kids to wear a mask. And absolutely, I would bring in speakers to speak about the harmful impacts of wearing a mask. I brought in doctors. I brought in OSHA experts. I was doing everything I could to show these parents that you don't need to live in fear. Your kids need to breathe fresh oxygen. And and that's the extent that I go to to create the awareness so that way our community doesn't live in fear. And I'll tell you, it worked. Because we started 2020 with... maybe 80% of the kids wearing masks. And by the time that school year was over, we had maybe 5% of the kids wearing masks. And today, we started the school year with two kids wearing masks. And now, I mean, I I haven't seen either of these kids wear masks.
0: I love your attitude. I love your attitude because you said, we don't expect you to wear masks. But at the same time, you were respectful of the parents, the possibility (coughs) that the parents might wanted them to wear masks. That's a really good way to handle it. And now, as we're in the end of October 2021, hardly anybody is wearing masks. As an educator then, Leila, explain to our listeners how how prohibitive or how, I suppose, how, how uh, problematic mask wearing in a classroom is for a child and how it affects the learning process.
2: This is just such a beautiful question and i really wish more journalists and reporters would ask this question i saw it firsthand in the beginning we would have children come downstairs with migraines headaches dizziness nauseousness i even had one parent because her child was having such horrible headaches take her child to get an mri and i called her up myself because i i know this particular parent and i said listen do your child a favor Send your daughter to school, fill out the mask assumption, and get rid of that mask. That's why your child is experiencing these things. There's nothing wrong with her brain. And within two days, all the symptoms disappeared. And she goes, oh, my God, I feel so bad. I can't believe I did this. And I go, look, unfortunately, there are too many people that are following what the media is saying. And then soon after that, a a report came out from Germany where they had done research on over 25,000 kids. And it was pretty incredible. And it was pretty incredible that um, 68% of the kids that were wearing masks in school all, all day demonstrated significant issues. And they listed about 25 of them. And the top ones were headaches, dizziness and nauseousness. That's right.
0: And there were several other European studies that showed the masks are completely ineffective at at, at stopping the transmission of anything, uh, really. And this might cheer you up, Leila. You'll probably know this, but a professor from Cambridge University speaking on Sky News, which is, well, it used to be an affiliate of Fox News. It used to be the sister station. But anyway, speaking late last week, a Cambridge prof- professor basically said that there's no good evidence that masks and mask mandates help to reduce the spread of COVID-19, isn't this a very frustrating thing? That it isn't as if the evidence isn't out there. You do see these Ivy League academics coming out and saying, listen, mask wearing doesn't achieve anything, we shouldn't do it. And yet nobody seems to pay any attention to that. It seems that all of the airtime is given to those who want the tyranny, who want the vaccine mandates and the mask mandates.
2: You know, that's what's heartbreaking to me, and that's why I'm on a mission. I don't know if you've seen me speaking on so many different uh, events. I have. I've I'm, been
0: stalking you in the last couple of days. Go on.
2: Yeah, I'm trying to create that awareness because, look, you have even in the state, in, in this great state of Florida, where we have the best governor in the country, who is going to war with the school boards about these masks, they have zero evidence zero evidence, zero scientific data that shows that these masks are doing anything. And yet, even though our governor has issued an order saying it is not allowed, they are still fighting to force these kids in masks. And then you see them in these pictures on the internet, you know, Obama at a birthday party with 700 people, you know, the mayor of Chicago throwing a 400,000 person event Well, why is it okay for adults to be together, not wearing a mask, yet you wanna torture our children? This is not about masks. This is not about anything other than the fact that they're trying to destroy the minds and the souls of our children, because when their minds and souls are weak, they're able to control them better. And if they can control this generation by the time they're 18 and they really wanna execute whatever they're trying to execute, they're gonna be able to do it because they've groomed an obedient generation. And that's, to me, what's the scariest thing about all of this right now. Compliance, isn't it?
0: They want compliance. You're listening to Leila Sentner of the Sentner Academy, which was uh, founded in 2019. It's a private school. I think you mentioned DeSantis. You mentioned Florida. I think on, on one level... It's it's I won't say lucky but but thankfully you're in Florida because if you were in another state maybe further north maybe New York maybe you might struggle Leila because the New York authorities have gone completely off the deep end but you know what I loved when I was reading about you is that currently you are the chief happiness officer of the academy I mean, this is almost like Roald Dahl stuff. This is wonderful stuff. You know, That what a wonderful job. Reading about the school, the The, the pupils get to eat organic foods. You mentioned this. They get to do meditation, PE. This sounds like utopia. I went to a school, a primary school and a secondary school and a high school where I had to wear a terribly stiff, starchy, awful uniform where I had to do assemblies, where I had to learn to chant and to recite all sorts of garbage. I wish I could get in a time machine and go back in and, and go to your school. It must be a wonderful place to work.
2: You, you know, my husband teases me all the time. He goes, you're recreating all the things you didn't like about your childhood <laughs> yeah. now now. And it's true. I mean, even our uniforms, we make our uniforms and we have like six different vibrant colors for them to choose from. Our kids get to meditate every day. They do sound bowl healing. What is I that, Laila?
0: Excuse me for interrupting. What is the healing, the sound healing? Tell me about the that. Sound.
2: Oh, it's beautiful. We have a, a mindfulness coach who plays these music, uh, these, the sound and crystal bowls that are supposed to, that balance your chakras And the kids, I always go around asking the kids, what's your favorite class? What's your favorite class? And I get so many kids telling me that their favorite class is sound bowl healing because they really get to recharge and reset. And I feel like in this world where we're so focused on technology, we're so focused on, you know, just going fast, fast, fast. We're teaching these kids to slow back down, regroup, meditate. and, and, And even when they're triggered, like we teach these kids at a young age, like what do you do when you're like feeling a lot of anger? The problem with a lot of adults today is they don't know how to manage their anger. And that's why you'll see videos on social media where someone's pulling out a gun and just shooting somebody because of road rage. Yeah. Right? So I feel like we're teaching kids the foundational skills that they need to be very successful in life. And you can cram as much reading and math down a child's throat. But if they, their foundation is wobbly, they're not digesting that. That information is not being properly absorbed.
0: And they're not enjoying and- it.
2: And they're not enjoying it. You know, have you ever been stressed trying to learn something? Yes. It doesn't work. No, it doesn't. It goes back to your head. It's like you can't focus. But if you are in a calm and peaceful state, which is what we try to do to do to our kids, then they are able to focus. Then they are able to digest the information and they're able to retain it better.
0: Oh, this is it. You just hit the nail on the head. I went through university. I remember very little of what I did in, you know, in the final year exams because I crammed for it, like everybody else, and I was stressed and I was worried about failing, and because of that, I've very little recollection of any of that stuff now. That's a, it's an excellent point, that Leila. Can I ask you this? You, you said that, you know, that whoever is behind this or whatever is behind this, you said that it's, it's a pretty dark agenda that wants to you know to change children and to make children compliant and obedient in in the future um i don't imagine you came to that conclusion easily these are pretty dystopian times aren't they how serious are these times and and what are we going to do about it
2: you know um I, i really just started learning about all of this um since april of last year i mean i i was really clueless before this uh, regarding any of the darkness in the world, I just lived my life and my life was great. And it was what it was. And after learning about everything that's been happening, I've just really been shell shocked. And after I got out of my, um, you know, trance of kind of like, Oh my God, I cannot believe this is happening. I realized that, um, fixing the system is probably not going to happen. So instead we need to create our own system or live our own parallel lives, create our own communities. And so I'm urging parents out there, pull your kids out of school, homeschool them, form a pod, do whatever you can, because as long as they're in that system, they're being manipulated, brainwashed and indoctrinated. They're being indoctrinated to be divisive, to hate our country, to, to have so much hate and anger, to be basically trained to not think You know, and so we have to pull our kids out of the system, unless, of course, they have a school like Center Academy nearby. Then I would say go to go to one of those. (laughs) Go
0: to one of those. Yeah. But but homeschooling, you you definitely endorse that.
2: I'm a big fan of homeschooling. Do whatever you can to protect our children, our children, our our future. If our children don't have strong minds, strong bodies, strong souls, who's going to fight that war when they're 18 or 20 years old? And we have even more craziness happening in our life.
0: We have plenty of craziness happening. I've got to ask you this. I wouldn't be doing my uh, job. There are those who believe that vaccines play an important role in developmental child health or helping children become strong and robust. They will say measles. They will say rubella, you know, the MMR and all of that. Now, my listeners know what, what my opinion is on that stuff. And you can probably guess. What do you say to those who say, come on, Layla, don't be an anti vaxxer. Vaccines play a vital role in public health. What do you say to that?
2: I tell people do your research. There is plenty of information out there to tell you, give you the information that you need to know. Start with first just analyzing the ingredients in a vaccine. It's on the CDC's database. You can see they have formaldehyde, they have aluminum, that, you know, the flu vaccines still have mercury in them. Okay. And when someone tells me, oh, but there's just a little bit, it's, it's nothing bad. I tell them, is it, it really, is that so? Okay. Open up your tongue. I'm just going to give you one little drop of mercury and, and put it on your tongue. Are you okay with that? You know, how about one little, really little tight of a uh, um, little drop of uh, formaldehyde. Is that okay? No, you know what? You know what? Let's, let's sprinkle a little bit of uh, baby fetal DNA in there. Like, You have to understand the ingredients and you have to understand which one of the ingredients are neurotoxins. And you have to really listen to what the parents are saying. You know, there's so many amazing vaccine documentaries out there where families are showing pictures and videos of their beautiful, healthy, gorgeous child that before they received, you know, whatever shot their MMR or whatever it was at that time, they were happy. They were walking. They were fully engaged. And then boom got the shot and went in completely into a blank stare, stopped talking, regressed. This is a case that happens over and over and over again. And you can't tell these parents they're conspiracy theorists.
0: No, you can't. It's
2: not right.
0: You can't. You are younger than me. When I was four, five, six, seven years old, we didn't get the vaccines they give children today. We got one. I think we got the polio. They call it the BCG jab. I believe it was painful for babies. I've still got the scars on my arm. But that was it. But I understand here in the UK, I'm an Irishman, hence my outrageous accent that you can barely understand. But um, I, I, I got that one jab, I think. You know, and you know, I was thrown into measles parties when I was a child. We were supposed to get the measles and then get over it. But do you know... Before a child turns 14 today in the United Kingdom, they're given about 16 different jabs. That just can't be right, can it? And I'm no doctor.
2: Well, you get 16 over here in the US, you get 72. And I'm 44 years old. When I was a child, I remember uh, I didn't get my shots until I was about five when I was going to go to kindergarten. And I received four shots. And so that's why the rate of autism went from 1 in 10,000 to 1 in 52. You can't look at those numbers and say, oh, it's genetics. That's not true. Gene- if it was genetics, it would stay at 1 in 10,000. Yeah. There's obvious environmental impact. And, and I will say, I don't think it's just the vaccines. I'm very, very convinced that the food is also poisoning us. I mean, I, just recently I, I saw an, an article where um, one of the food... Uh, manufacturers for babies' foods were being sued because of the metals they found in baby food. Look at the ingredients on some of these baby formulas where the first ingredient is corn syrup. I mean, you can't give your one day baby uh, corn syrup and a hepatitis B shot, which has 10 times the amount of aluminum, and think that that's going to be okay for your child.
0: Yeah, it's rubbish, isn't it? It's, it's garbage. You know-
2: baffles me and then and then you have these babies that die in their sleep you know and they're like oh we don't know why we don't know what happened well let's backtrack what sort of toxic environment has the baby in? let's analyze every little thing that the baby was around to figure out if the toxic environment has caused the sids and you know there are studies that are out there that are very very concrete that show there's not one va- unvaccinated baby that dies from SIDS.
0: Is that right? Not a single one?
2: Not a single one in the studies that I have seen. And I have seen three pretty robust studies on this.
0: Leila, we're just about out of time. Thanks for joining me this afternoon. It's been a real uh, pleasure to meet you. Let me ask you one final question. I mentioned that you're in you're in a state in Florida there where you've certainly got the support of, of the governor there, Rick DeSantis. What do... Are you confident that the the Sentinel Academy will be, you know, allowed to continue in the manner with which you want to continue, in a holistic manner, um, without any interference from the state? Are you confident that will continue in, in, in the coming years or will you have to fight off the state, do you think?
2: Well, as long as our governor is governor, I'm confident. Uh, my my concern and my fear is if that, uh, unfortunately, uh, another, uh, person beats him, which I'm praying that doesn't be the, doesn't, it's not the case, you know, another Democrat, a Democrat beats him because for some reason, the Democrats really want to take away our medical freedom. They want to take away, uh, our ability to make these decisions. And, you know, if that happens, I, I know there's something called a private membership association that I might have to convert my school to, to basically pull out of the system and not be part of the matrix that they might try and pull me into. So I'll have to make that decision when it comes. But, you know, if you have any listeners out there that are amazing teachers and want to move to Miami, Florida, we're in near Miami Beach. We are hiring. We uh, we do love we've we've had uh, people move from all over the country, even outside the country, including Canada. So I just want to have that shout out there. Any any amazing educators looking for a job this year or next year, please go to settneracademy.com. You can also reach me at Sentner Academy on my Instagram page. That's C-E-N-T-N-E-R Academy on our Instagram page. I would love to hear from any of your listeners.
0: Really enjoyed speaking with you, Leila. I hope we'll meet again in the future. You take care and Godspeed to everybody at the Sentner Academy. Thanks for coming on.
2: Thank you so much. God bless you.
0: And you too. Leila Sentner, the co-founder of the Sentner Academy, speaking to us live from Florida this afternoon. Lovely lady, smart lady, I think. And, uh, yeah, said to teachers, look, we'd prefer you didn't work in close proximity with pupils if you choose to have the jab. And then said to parents a couple of weeks ago, look, if you want your child to have the jab or if you choose for your child to have the jab, we think it might be a good idea to keep the child away for 30 days. It's been a bit controversial, but mostly with the media. I got that wrong earlier on. There was a bit of criticism back in April from parents, but that was amicably dealt with. Those parents moved moved on to other schools. But lately, the criticism is coming from the US media. Layla Sentner. the time is coming up for four and a half minutes to the top of the hour. This is your Richie Allen Show. It's live... It's live from Salford here in the north-west, not too far from Manchester. Keep the comments coming in. in. RichieAllen.co.uk, top of the page, comment live. I do see them and the page isn't stalling as it was last week. Hayden Hewitt has been working overtime and a bunch of trained monkeys and spanners and all sorts of stuff. There you go. David Keane says, I don't agree with the baby feasties in the jabs, that would be impossible with over 9 billion jabs. Did I mishear Layla? Because if I did, I would have corrected her. I think she meant um, fetal matter, didn't she? Didn't she? I think that's what she meant. Um, um, yeah, aborted fetal matter. I think that's what she meant. I didn't hear that right. If if she didn't in, indeed say feces, I should have pulled her up on that, but um, I didn't. But not because I didn't want to. I didn't hear her, if that's what she said. Sarah Plumley, who's in France and who was a brilliant guest on this programme. It would be nice to have Sarah back, actually. I'll be in touch, Sarah. Says that Layla is a real leader in education. Uh, the senior leader teams up and down the country in the UK ought to take a crash course in how to put children and classroom teachers at the very centre of genuine education. Enough, says Sarah, with the indoctrination now. Leila is right. This COVID-1984 nonsense is a form of grooming. Schools are indoctrination centres. They have nothing to do with real education. Thanks for letting her speak, says Sarah. It's what we do. It's what I do. Let people speak. John says, always interesting and good to hear people standing against tyranny. Thank you, John. John, hi to Seamus Connolly. Uh, Let's scroll on down. Hi to rain? Lots of commentary going on on the website about this. Hi to Patricia, who says that the surgeon, Dr. Jim Meehan, uh, says the COVID-19 pandemic is about viral transmission. Surgical and cloth masks do nothing to prevent viral transmission, according to Dr. Jim Meehan. We should all realise by now that face masks have never been shown to prevent or protect against viral transmission, which is exactly why they have never been recommended for use during the seasonal flu outbreak, epidemics or previous pandemics. If a surgeon was sick, especially with a viral infection, they wouldn't perform the surgery because they know the virus wouldn't, wouldn't be stopped by the surgical mask. Excellent comment, Patricia. Thanks for the link to Dr. Jim Meham as well. Loads and loads of chat. Do engage with others on richieallen.co.uk. Be robust. Disagree if you must. But please, and I ask this, I don't dictate. I ask, please be courteous if you can. <laughs> if you can. Are oh, you big hypocritical Baxter bully? Yes, I know. I know, I've not always been courteous in my dealings with people throughout the course of my life. I'm well aware of it. But I am practising it more and more and more as I get older. Kaz says, Richie, as a Pakistani man, I am interested as to why all of the faces of evil are brown. Hamza Yusuf in Scotland. Rishi Sunak. Sunak, Sajid Javid. Nadim Zahawi. Is there something going on here, says Kaz? I'll tell you what, Kaz. You tell me because I don't know. You might be right, you might be wrong. Kaz is making the point that many of the faces of the tyranny in the Scottish government and in the... British Parliament in the UK Parliament because in Scotland we have devolved government in Scotland and in Wales and in Northern Ireland and Kaz is saying that many of the faces of this nonsense are brown men. Is there something going on? Kaz, there might be. Share your thoughts with me, my friend, and I will read them out. There might be something going on. I don't know. Pretty Patel says Faisal. Don't forget Sadiq Khan the Mayor of London and Pretty Patel, of course, is the UK Home Secretary. That's a good point. Gavin says, not all of them. Don't forget Witty Valance, Matt Hancock. This scam doesn't discriminate. But, 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 you might be right, Gavin, but it seems that there's a disproportionate amount of brown-skinned people at the front of this posse of bastards. Yes. Salford Pete says, they're getting desperate, Richie. You are being made to feel guilty for everything you indulge in to make life worth living. And he has shared with me a story. Uh, I think in the, Indip- the BBC, the headline is eco-friendly sex. What is it and how does it impact on climate change? E- eco-friendly sex. <laughs> Do you remember the, the demolition man? Your your woman, she's gorgeous. Sandra Bullock and Sylvester Stallone, just to be just to be inclusive, he's gorgeous as well, and she invites him to have sex with her, and it involves putting a contraption on their heads and no physical contact whatsoever. I tell you what, life imitating art. This is all coming down the line. It is. It is really. It is. I'm telling you. It is. Your Richie Allen show is live from Salford. I'm the BBG. Uh, There's no one like he. There's plenty better. I think there's plenty better. Thanks for joining me. Don't forget, we'll be rejoining Steve from the NHS nurse, who spoke to me two weeks ago today, exactly two weeks ago today, about his fears about jab mandating for NHS workers. Those fears... Might be realised really soon. Back with you in 30
4: seconds' time. Are you a company based in the northwest of England who want to improve their profile via social media? Yes. Well, you could go out in the car park and film something on your phone, but it's not very good, is it? No. It sounds terrible, yes. the picture's not that great. Yes. Try Ensign Films. We're a new video production company based in the heart of Manchester. We're really old, we've had loads of experience, and we can work within your budget. Don't go out in the car park with Debbie from Accounts. Seriously enzymefilms.co.uk
1: The Richie Allen show relies on your support. Visit richieallen.co.uk and make a financial contribution today. You're listening to the Saviour of Independent Media, Richie Allen.
0: Welcome back, The Saviour of Independent Media, Miars. Me Welcome back. Good to be with you as usual. Tuesday's program, October 26th, 2021, me self and yourself interesting stuff today. Doctors have been warning as that legalizing suicide, or assisted dying as they call it, might possibly lead to coercion. Now I've been speaking for many, many years about assisted dying. When I was a broadcaster in Spain, I'll tell you who used to join me regularly on my evening program. It was a woman who is no longer with us. A lovely woman called Margot Macdonald. She's a former MSP, member of the Scottish Parliament, and she died a few years ago, did Margot. She had a debilitating, life-changing, life-ending condition, and she used to come on and argue very eloquently with me about the need for assisted dying legislation. I would argue back, and she was very good, as I said, no longer with us, but I haven't changed my mind at all. About assisted dying, the state should stay out of people's way. If someone is, if someone is terminally ill, and they choose themselves, if they are, if they have the capacity to, because it's not often the case. Sometimes people are wheelchair bound. God love them, and have severe mobility issues, and wouldn't necessarily have the capacity to to take some tablets or or or, or whatnot. But um, you know, I say, look. I I don't make a habit of telling people what to do. I don't. So if somebody is terminally ill and feels that they they've had enough and that palliative care isn't enough and they want to end it and they choose to do that, I say okay. But regretfully okay. But I don't want the state getting involved in it. Ever. At any time. That's the argument I've always made. I don't believe that we should legalise assisted dying. It's laughable, of course, that suicide is illegal. It's laughable. Who who are you going to prosecute in, in reality? The person who has taken his or her own life, heaven help them. Well, you can't prosecute that person. It's foolish that, that suicide is illegal. But I don't want the state getting involved because I absolutely agree that ultimately, well, it, 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 it could lead to coercion. And I will never forget... I spoke to a gentleman in Spain years ago, a Spanish priest, who had very good English, better English than my Spanish. Anything is better than my Spanish. And I spoke with him about Dignitas. And the priest was lovely. And he just left, he parked religion to one side, his own personal beliefs. And he said, "Richie, Ricardo, he said, if assisted dying is legalised, how long before the law changes? The law will eventually be amended and amended and amended to allow the state or somebody deemed to be an expert Uh, to make the decision on behalf of the citizen if the citizen is deemed to be incompetent. Maybe somebody talked about wanting to end their own life if they got to a certain stage, talked about it, but then the person is incapacitated, maybe isn't able to speak, maybe. How long before the state says, well, we'll take what that person said five years ago and we will pull the plug on them? And, and that's where I am. I know there are many opinions on that. We might do a phone-in on it sometime. Maybe we won't. I'm just, you know, I'm just wondering. Aloud, maybe we won't. Maybe we won't. Steve will be with me in a few minutes' time. As I said, NHS worker, let me remind you what we spoke about on the programme when he was on last. He's a registered NHS nurse and clinical researcher. He reached out to me a couple of weeks back to say he would be forced to leave his job if the COVID vaccine mandate was introduced by the government for NHS workers. At the moment, social care workers are compelled. Well, if they don't take the job, they must leave the job. It's no jab, no job for social care workers for care workers, working in care homes and working in the homes of people who need care workers. But at the moment, it hasn't been mandated for NHS workers. But Sajid Javid, the health secretary, did say to the media the other day that he's leaning towards doing it. However, that is something he would need to get through the Commons. He couldn't just say, well, under the Coronavirus Act of 2020, we mandate COVID jabs for NHS staff. He couldn't do that. It needs a parliamentary vote. I mentioned today on the website that Labour has indicated it would not support the government. The Lib Dems have said they wouldn't support the government and about two dozen or more backbench Conservative MPs would not vote with the government. So on the face of it... It looks like the government would lose any attempt to mandate jabs through Parliament for NHS workers. But some of you scallywags said to me on the website today, you're naive, Richie. Keir Starmer is controlled by the cabal. Labour might do an about-face, might do a 180 degree turn. You're right, of course. Of course. I was putting it out there in my article. Of course. You are right to suggest that I might, indeed, might just be naive. How dare I be naive after all the years of doing these programmes? But you never know, do you? Hi to Dolores, who says suicide is unlawful because every person belongs to the state via the birth certificate. So they, the state, can decide if they want to get rid of you and how. If I kill myself, I will go to prison. Laugh out loud, says Dolores. Thank you. Hi to Joe who says there's a big difference between not wanting to live anymore and not wanting to die. The former is a mental condition. Yes, indeed somebody was commenting today saying that they had worked in a care home and they had met many people whose families had died and they were kind of left alone in the care home and they didn't want to go on any longer. And I believe that to be true. I believe that you would meet people in care homes whose families have passed on or whose families don't care about them and they might feel life isn't worth living and they might readily swallow a pill. But that doesn't mean that the state should ever, ever facilitate that. What about doing everything you can to improve the lives of people whose families have either died or who don't care about them? What about doing all that you can to make their lives better? socialising, bringing them out, taking them places, engaging with them, finding some common ground, finding some happy place for people where they can begin to enjoy life again. But I understand there are many opinions on this subject. It's time for a tune. Before we have Steve back on the programme, it's Jackie Wilson. Jackie Wilson and Lonely Teardrops on The Richie Allen Show. It's 11 and a half minutes past the hour. Tuesday's programme. Welcome back to it. Thanks for all the messages on the website. It's pretty busy there today. My friend Phil Restino, who's in Florida, who is a top, top bloke, is Phil. Hope you're well, Phil. Hope your mum is well. More importantly, not more importantly, but importantly, hope she's doing well. Phil says to me, Richie, agreed we must never let the state get involved with assisted dying. But he says it would be inevitable. Wouldn't it mate, says Phil. Thanks for that, Phil. Stephen was on with me two weeks ago. He's a registered NHS nurse and clinical researcher. He's won awards for his work. We connected because Stephen told me that he was worried about being forced to leave his job, the job he loves because of the COVID jab mandate. And this has been mandated already for social care workers. The concern was NHS workers would be compelled to have it. Stephen talked eloquently about that and other things. Why he was reluctant to have the jab, gave them um, really interesting insights there. And because of his research background, he was able to explain it very well. Why he was worried about the jab, and um, he told me that the threat from COVID was greatly exaggerated. Let's welcome back Steve to the program. How you doing, Steve?
4: Hi, Richie. Uh, Thank you very much for letting me speak again. It's it's a real privilege to be able to do this once more.
0: Not at all. Thank you for allowing me the royal screw-up that I engaged in yesterday. Steve was supposed to be with me yesterday, but because of the messing around with the studio rebuild I was shuffling guests forward by a day and two days and of course I neglected to to mention to certain guests that I would I, I was moving them forward so you're very magnanimous mate thanks for not um, let, for letting me away with the mess up yesterday let's talk about the serious stuff just before we talk <laughs> about what Sajid Javid was saying this week about leaning towards mandating just talk just for a second from a personal perspective about introducing assisted dying um, laws in this country. You're, you're a registered nurse. I'm concerned about it. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe there's another way of looking at it. How would you feel about that, Steve?
4: I think it's a minefield. Uh, I, I, laws can be uh, produced with the best of intentions, but we know, uh, even from the laws that were being produced during the COVID uh, you know, so-called pandemic, is that there are a lot of unintended consequences. And the unintended consequences from a law which covers such a sensitive uh, area, which encompasses everything from uh, finance, from uh, from all sorts of other legal aspects uh, and family dynamics i think a law which i think producing a law for assisted dying in that particular area is fraught with difficulties uh, i wouldn't like to be the one that you know is uh, given the task of drafting such a thing but uh, i think i think it's an area we should leave well alone i think these uh, i think these areas are for families and individuals to to decide
0: Good man, amen to that. And as a registered nurse as well, you know your your primary thoughts are about caring for people, not not shuffling them off this mortal coil. I agree with the doctors who wrote the letter to the Times. Ultimately, you will end up with people who feel they are a burden on their family, and they mightn't want Mm -hmm. to, you know, end their lives. But anyway, let's leave that there. When Sajid Javid told Kay Burley on Sky News the other morning that he was leaning towards trying to mandate the jabs. That didn't come as any surprise to you, no doubt.
4: No, it's uh, it's about as surprising as uh, you know as, as, as James uh, it, 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 it O'Brien is saying something sensible. It's, you know, yeah. it, 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 it was it's not. This is something that was on the cards. You know, it's uh, it, it, again though we have to look at how he uses his words. He inserted you know the flimsiest of caveats in there. To, to make the uncertainty continue and that seems to be a, a, a pattern within most government communication yeah, At the moment that, uh, you know, we we'll look for for announcement, but then actually it's not quite what it seems. The caveats are in there, you know, and we have to try and decipher something which actually should be quite clear. So, no, I wasn't surprised that he couched his, you know, his his announcement such as it was in, in those terms. Uh, but, yeah, I think we can be I, I I think we'd be certain that this is going to be on the cards. Let's put it this way. It's about as certain as the NHS coming under pressure this winter
0: no doubt about it then in your mind Th- that being yeah. said I, my understanding is and i double and triple check this today it will need to be it will need to be passed through parliament for for you and for the others like you who have who don't want to take the job at least for now, I, I know yeah. we spoke at length last time, but there will be people who don't want to take it for different reasons. So whatever their reasons, yeah. do they have any reason to be hopeful? By the fact that Kate Green, the Shadow Education Secretary, Labour's Kate Green, said that. Basically, the Labour Party wouldn't, or or right now wouldn't support it. You have the Lib Dems, and you have the Tory backbenchers. Am I being overly optimistic, or is there some hope that Javid would fail to get it through Parliament? I, I
4: think there's, well, I think there's some hope, and we've always got to hold out, some, you know, some aspect of hope on this. But with an 80 seat majority, it's going to rely on uh, Tory backbenchers yeah. to be able to, you know, to to have enough backbone to rebel against this and we know that the one thing that we know is that when push comes to shove is that the you know they tend to have a backbone of jelly particularly when it comes to uh something that the you know the government wants to push through as part of you know an overall health agenda uh, so I, I i i think there's some hope that labor have actually woken up and decided to be in opposition at last, but you know, I, uh, politics is, is, you know, is, up until very recently, until up until I found myself in the position that I am, I wasn't really a, an overtly political animal, uh, and you know, I've kind of woken up to a lot of this, and I'm learning a lot uh, since you know since, since taking the position that I've taken, because I've become subject to politics, if you if, if you like. But the uh, I, I, I think there's some hope there, but I think uh, you know I. I, I I'll, I'll wait until I see what they do, rather than listen to what they say, and I think that's probably the safest. Way think, uh, you know, the safest way I can put it. The
0: wisest thing to do. And yeah. th- you, yeah. you, you made a very good point about the way that <coughs> Javid was couching his statement. It's all deliberately confusing and muddling. And I think some of that is to is you know is to keep people in a state of agitation, in a state of fear. I really do believe yeah. that. From what I understand, though, it's it's only about a hundred thousand. Staff in total across the country, that have said no thanks, which Steve makes it a complete non-issue, doesn't it?
4: Well, it should do. again. Uh, what, what 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 what's the one thing that's certain about the government figures? is that you can't rely on them it is absolutely I mean, look I, all i can say is about my trust i could I, if i told you the numbers in my trust it would actually identify me but so it, 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 you know to you know to, to my management i kind of want to, i want to keep that kind of powder dry at the moment but what i can say is i can couch it in these terms that it's just slightly less than 20 percent of the uh, of the of my trust workforce that have uh, said no to the jab, so if we if that you know it's touching at straws a little bit to say that we can extrapolate that to the wider NHS, but if it is around about twenty percent then it's substantially more than a hundred thousand,
0: right, right, yeah, so they're being devious when they say it's a hundred thousand. It's it's actually more. Yeah, can I ask yeah, you a question? Yeah, they want to downplay. It, yeah. Go on, finish. Sorry, our, sorry, our, I was no, no, no say, no, they'll, yeah, yeah,
4: I was say they gonna, they'll have to downplay the opposition uh, because it's you know that because the narrative is that this is you know this is a success yeah uh, you know so they, they will have to downplay the opposition because it's, it atomizes people you know because we're all speaking as individ you know we we're all refusing these uh, jabs as individuals you know we're not a collective we're not we you know we're not we're not a we're not a body or anything like that but the you know and as as these atomized in, individuals what's more demoralizing than to, than to think that you're not just in a majority but you're actually in a supermajor, you know minority, and I think that's part of the game that they play, and I think you know so so that so for them it's you know to go slowly. To keep the message uh, the same, so that they, so that you actually become demoralised, and then you think, look, I've got absolutely no choice in this. Everyone else seems to be getting it. So that's that's kind of where they, you know, that, that that's the mindset that they want to engender, and where they where they want people like me to end up.
0: Were you horrified as you know, <laughs> as as a professional man, <clears throat> as a human being, I, just I, just just to hear I, him I, talk I, about I, freedoms in return for the jobs yeah, and stuff? Yeah. It's it's blatant. Oh. It's blatant, isn't? There's no hiding it. Like.
4: No, 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 there isn't. This is absolutely in-your-face coercion, and, and and I thought you might ask me how I felt about this, and I thought about it, and and I, it's, I, I for once, I'm kind of stumped for words on this because I'm caught somewhere between utter disappointment and abs- <laughs> being absolutely incandescent with anger uh, at this. I mean, it, it's quite ironic that in you know in my job, what I've done is I've tried to build up you know a, a track record of providing clear and untainted data to to the government or whichever university that i'm doing a study for and uh, i'm likely to lose my career on the basis of tainted and politicized and corrupted data which they've reflected back to me so i may lose my career at the end of the day because i won't be taking this i won't, I won't be taking this this, this, this vaccine So I may lose my career, but at least I will keep some self-respect and I'll keep the love and the support and the understanding of my family, which contrasts so vividly with the recent words of uh, our health secretary who told us only a couple of weeks ago that we don't want those people, meaning the unjabbed, working in our care services. Now, apart from who does he mean by we in that sentence, it seems that in the space... Of the last twenty-two months, I've evolved into someone who is now officially described by our government as one of those people, and I think that that's utterly appalling. You know the, what what they what they've done to me, what they're trying to do to me, is even worse. But what you know in the, in relation to the coercion, in in exchange for what, in exchange for keeping my job, in exchange to partaking in their version of society what they want to do with society so so when people ask me why I don't want uh, the vaccination what I usually find is that what they want is a short answer something they can label perhaps as a conspiracy or something like that what they, they, they try and set kind of verbal traps for you but when they found out that, you know, when people find out that I'm a, a clinical research nurse and I always refer uh, to the abundant evidence of misinformation, uh, disinformation, lies, uh, you know, they, they often, people who are asking me these questions often respond when they get, you know, factual replies by actually just ignoring what I've said. And, and this non response to, to facts. About relative risk, about vaccine efficacy, about the evidence around mask use, which your last uh, guest so eloquently put, uh, social distancing, uh, and the deliberate misrepresentation of uh, data it's, its its actually quite usual. It's uh, usual. My vaccine, yeah, yeah, yeah it's usual. But I'll give you an example. My my vaccinated colleagues often pretend uh, I haven't actually you know that i actually when i'm talking about uh uh data valid data in relation to the you know the uh the things i've just uh, i've just outlined there uh, they often don't know how to respond and the, re- one, of the re- one of the reasons one of the reasons i've come to understand one of the reasons is because they've already rolled up their sleeves they've already partaken they've all they've already rolled up their sleeves on the basis of what i believe is a pack of lies and disinformation and if they had to acknowledge the facts that I'm laying out before them, a person who is unvaccinated, well, that can only cause in them something to reflect on their, you know, on either I'm not going to say gullibility or anything like that, because people have taken
0: up,
4: the, probably the majority of people have taken this vaccine on the best of intentions. So I'm not going to call. I'm not going to say, you know, that this is a, you know, that people have colluded in taking in taking this vaccine. But what I'm saying is, is that actually, when somebody who is unvaccinated outlines a set of un, irrefutable facts and outlines the disinformation and the uh, and the and and, and and the and the misrepresentation in, the, in their messages, then it can only recall, you know, it, it must engender something in them about about why they actually took the vaccine. It must make them kind of reflect on that. And I recently told uh, some of my vaccinated colleagues I was likely to lose my job after the consultation period. And not one of them was incensed enough by this. Uh, as, as a principle you know to have some form of kind of sympathy with me not one I don't know what that actually yeah now I was going to say I don't know what it actually says about me but uh, but this is actually is also reflected uh, organisationally so in in relation to my trust you would have thought that you know a large uh, a, a large hospital uh, mental health trust would provide evidence would would uh, uh uh, present evidence to the consultation which has just happened, and uh, when I uh, inquired about uh, uh, this, I was—well, probably was a surprise—but uh, the the amount of evidence that they provided the consultation amounted to exactly nothing. Nothing. Let's, they let's they stay literally that. had no view on this. But during the same period, I checked up on this. They had views on diversity and on inclusion. They had oh, views on net zero. They had views on LGBTXYZ plus. They had views on the language that we can use in our emails and a hundred other things. But on the coercion of their colleagues to take a vaccination or lose their jobs, nothing. Can I can it was I a, it can, was a, can I sum yeah. that
0: up? And not that I need to, but I, I what I want is I yeah. want you to clarify. That I haven't misunderstood mm. Stephen is a registered n h s nurse and clinical researcher. He's very experienced he's award winning and uh reached out to the program. The vaccine mandate would mean he would lose his job. When, the consultation Stephen refers to is that so the government said we're thinking about mandating the jobs for the NHS workers. So then they put that out for consultation. So they go to the NHS trusts, stakeholders, anybody with a stake in that. They ask them for their opinions. And Stephen has told us that his own trust had nothing to say about that question. What do you think about us mandating the jobs for the NHS workers? But they had plenty to say about inclusivity and the trans stuff, and everything else that is so popular with the culture warriors these days. I bet you don't know whether to laugh or cry at that.
4: Uh, I, 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 to, to, be, to be quite frank, it didn't come as a surprise. It, it, it should have done, and that's the most disappointing thing. I should have been actually livid at this. You know, I should have been utterly flabbergasted at this. But to be quite frank, uh, once I found out, it was just well, you know, what do I expect? This is, this, you know, in this, this is what is reflected organizationally throughout the NHS. Do you know, you know, Richie, 22 months ago, I was about as far away from being one of, you know, what Jabby Javid, uh, Javid told me uh, he described me as those people as you could probably imagine.
0: Yeah.
4: You know, I was, I was, I think I was diligent. I was recognised for the quality of my research data, and I, I didn't even have a, a any absence record. Uh, And I say this for no other reason than to highlight the transformation that's occurred within me uh, since, you know, since since coming under the spotlight, since actually, you know, facing pressure, uh, organisationally and personally for the, you know, for the decision, uh, which I think I've made on the basis of good evidence. Uh, and I, uh, quite often I was responsible for setting up uh, a number of studies, uh, in, uh, particularly during the early part of uh, 2020, uh, when the pandemic uh, was taking hold, there was a number of what were called public, uh, uh, public interest uh, uh, studies which came out, which took up priority. And I, set, I, had, I helped set up one in, in our region called uh, the Coronavirus Infection Study. Uh, which is exactly as it says. It's an, you know it was an it was an infection study and it was a survey uh, infection studies. So and it publishes its data every two weeks. Now this was set up in October 2020 by me and a number of other people. But uh, we na- but because it was set up in October 2020, we now have year-on-year data because we're in October 2021. And so uh, we can look at the you can look at the differences in the data and in the first two weeks of October 2020, we recorded 433,330 infections. That's what, the, that's what the infection study recorded, and it's quite an accurate study. Now, at about the same time, I want you to remember that our Prime Minister was telling us that the vaccine was the route out. It was the route out to getting our freedoms. I'm paraphrasing in here, but I'm not too far away from his exact words. But now bear that in mind. Now, well, in the in the first two weeks of October 2021, we recorded an 81% increase in infections, and it rose from 433,000 to 786,300 in the space of a year. Now, that's with a largely uh, vaccinated population. Now, the reason why this is so important, why we kind of teeter on the cliff edge of Plan B and all that entails, is because infection numbers are the thing at the moment which is driving government policy. Yes, It can hardly, you know, it, you know we, all we get is infection crisis, hospital crisis. I mean, crisis is probably the word which is most overused, uh, you know, at the moment. And, uh, and, and the, but we are told simultaneously that vaccines are the way out and that vaccines are not enough on their own. So we're being asked to believe two mutually conflicting statements. We're, back, we're, we're, you know, we're, asking, we're being asked to believe in things that are plainly just observed, but they are stated with confidence from voices of authority, and they are presented as facts to the extent that politics and science, in my view, have literally been turned into theatre, almost, almost into a form of pantomime. Now, all this has been done. Uh, that we learned with the cooperation and guidance of uh, behavioral psychologists who have been behind a lot of the government messaging, a lot of the uncertainty in government messaging, a lot of the insertation of these vague caveats, so that we can't quite be too sure exactly what we're hearing sometimes. Words take on you know, different yeah, meanings, that's you know, right. and context is in different meanings. So the ground is continually shifting, now, you know, so it, it, this, you know, so all this has been done with a corporation of behavioral psychologists. And I mean, in my view, I think it's almost as if they weaponized psychology for political ends to nudge, you know, a largely unsuspecting public who didn't know this in what we can only describe as an approved direction. And that direction is, as we've seen, you know, with the uh, Sabin Javid's announcement uh, yesterday is moving in an increasingly uh, authoritarian direction i mean it, where it, it's like when you look at trends you know where there's a psychological technique which kind of looks at trends and we can do a uh, you know a trend analysis and it doesn't take us much to kind of think of the, creepy, uh, the creeping uh, authoritarianism. We see it, you know, in much of the, in our inboxes, you know, we, we look at Australia, we look at New Zealand. Yeah, yeah. We, we look at the, uh, we look at what's happening in Canada. We look at what's happening in the United States and, 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 and in parts of South America, in Chile and in Argentina. And we look at these places. We, Austria. Hang on, seen, Steve. Hang on, Steve. Yeah, yeah, Austria. In, in Austria. Yeah. That guy, that chancellor you know, guy,
0: he's threatened to lock up the unjabbed in their homes. Yeah. He's threatened yeah. to impose uh, uh, a lockdown on the unjabbed, and he's still in office. He should be galloping down the street with a thousand men running after him with pitchforks. He can say that and, stuff.
4: And, and yeah, th- these people are saying these things out loud. Out loud. You played a clip. You played a clip yesterday, uh, Richie, of uh, uh, Jacinda uh, Ardern. In, yeah. In, in, yeah. Oh my goodness mate. She actually laid it out clear there. That you know that there are people who are being vaccinated will be able to partake in their society, and the people who are not going to be vaccinated or refuse vaccination will Absolutely. simply not. Yeah, it, and the people, the, 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 so we're not hiding it from us. This is not—it's not a conspiracy when they're telling us what they're going to do, and we have—you know—we've got forms, we've got forms of vaccine passports in most of the westernised kind of democracies, you know, that we've just outlined there. We, we even have them on our own island in Scotland and also in Wales. And that was a shameful way that they were introduced in, in Wales. In Wales oh you know, God.
0: Remind us, remind us what happened there. If you don't yeah. remember, I will. Go on.
4: Well, what, what it was, was that the uh, the, the, uh, uh, the Assembly, the Welsh Assembly, which they're now calling the uh, Senate there in, in Wales, what happened was that they... Uh, took a vote on the introduction of vaccine passports, and my understanding was that it was tied 19-0. And if it's if it is uh, a tie, then it doesn't get introduced. Uh, but what, uh, what what was actually going to happen was that uh, so, sorry, they were leading by the, the the yes vote for the introduction was leading by one, and the one of the representatives, the Conservative representative who I believe was attending his conference could not establish a connection through Zoom yeah. to vote. And on the basis of that, the entire Welsh Principality, the nation of Wales, is now uh, having to endure a vaccine passport. Well said, because but, a toy yeah.
0: would have meant the motion wasn't carried.
4: Yeah. You're right. That's right. And but, but does anyone seriously think that they won't be in England sooner or later? Yeah. And 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 currently... You know, we talk of vaccine passports for football or nightclubs, but we have to understand that our government are really just establishing a beachhead here they are setting a precedent from which they plan to expand Now, can, now hold, that thought, they, hold that
0: thought because I, th- this is yeah. one of the places I wanted to go back to this is one of hmm. the reasons that, th- one of the many reasons I wanted you to come back on the, the beachhead hmm. wow, Be- before you do that I've got to do this because if I don't do it it's 23 okay. minutes to the top of the hour, Stephen is with us, registered NH- NHS nurse and clinical researcher, came on the programme about the jab mandate, excellent conversation with him, that's why he's back today to uh, expand on that conversation. And um, he, he told us some extraordinary things that we weren't surprised by, but they were extraordinary. He saw the data last year that the government saw and he knew that the government were exaggerating the threat from COVID. He knew this because he was seeing the data they were seeing. It's great to have him back on the programme. Now, 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 you said to me last time, in fact, it was one of the final things you said. You said, Richie, we're only at the beginning of this. We're not even anywhere near the middle, let alone being anywhere near yeah. the end. And that's where you have arrived right now, the beachhead. Mm-hmm, yeah. so, so this is the beginning. So this is a platform that they are creating <coughs> from, from which they want to launch something else. What is the, the, uh, where, yeah. where is it going then?
4: Well, I, I, I'll, I'll, I'll try and explain. This is what I think. This is what I think from the evidence that I've seen from the repeated patterns of their behaviour. And that's as good as evidence as you can get. You look at you look at what they do. You can, you listen to what they say, but more often, moreover, look at what their actions are. And we can we can say this: you know that they're setting of, uh, a precedent, for, uh, in, you know, for which they plan to expand in the same way they did from three weeks to flatten the curve, to now, you know, last year up until the present day, which is roll up your sleeve and or lose your job. Now, this is a campaign which is being waged against us by you know a thousand imperceptible, often little changes that have moved from, as I said, that three weeks to flatten the curve, gradually and in small stages up to, to the point of kind of jab or job. Yeah. So and as, as any campaign you know, that's being waged requires tactics, it requires a plan, and any tactician knows the value of capturing a town on your enemy's coast all right the town isn't the real objective it's just a base from which to expand and my fear is that the central part of this story this is the beginning that the central part of this story is that my fear is that soon just saying no will not be enough because I think that is the direction of travel. They're actually telling us what they're going to do. They're telling us what the restrictions they would like to be put into place. Forgive the interruption. Forgive Um, the interruption. I won't
0: get in your way too much. We've got 17 minutes to go, and I want you to spend most of the 17 minutes talking. I've got to interject there, because my greatest fear is in two years' time or more, somebody knocks on the door and says, Right, big fella, you've got to come with us now. You've had your fun, but look, uh, for society, you've got to have it. Do do you share that fear?
4: Yeah, absolutely. And this is me, who two years ago was, you know, the, 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 the diligent NHS nurse, didn't have... Any views in this way whatsoever, I was uh, all of my, uh, you know, all all of my mental resources were taken up with my job uh, and with my family. And uh, my goodness me, they supported me through this. I I I couldn't do it without the love of my good wife, Uh, the support from my daughter uh, has just been absolutely outstanding. And we all need that support. We all need that, you know, we all need that support network. But you're right, Richie this is the direction of travel and it's not it's not in the realms of fantasy that this is occurring look at the behavior of the authorities and look at the uh, freedom with which uh, violence and coercion is dished out in, you know, in in countries which we thought were absolute uh, paragons of uh, democratic, uh, you know, social socially progressive uh, societies. That they have it seems to have been those societies which have succumbed more easily. The more open the society has been, the the the, the more easily it seems to have been. Uh, I'm not going to say infiltrated because I, I have no proof of that, but it seems that the government is able to act more freely in a coercive in a coercive manner in a manner which is not uh, in accordance with the the antecedents of that country with its with, with the, you know with the, with its cultural history and and its antecedents yeah. it, the the way that these cult- countries are developing the way that their governments are mandating things. And talking explicitly about uh, what they want to do with us seems to be at odds with their, you know, like I say, with their cultural inheritance. And the most amazing thing to me is the absolute lack of what do you think you're doing? There is the, 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 the it's I, I've, I, it's all, it's like a massive replication of what I said about my uh, about my hospital trust. Yeah. That they had no view on, uh, you know, they're, you know, they're, they're, according to them, valued members of staff. <laughs> I say that with a bit of a smile on my face. I can hear uh, you know, but yeah, but when you think of all these, you know, all, all of these, uh, mottos and things like that, you know, that they, that they, you know, the NHS likes to uh, couch itself in, but they, you know, but they had no view on their valued members of staff uh, being coerced, uh, but uh, and it seems to be magnified uh it, you know it, 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 it nationally that the that it shouldn't be a minority of us which no. are standing up against it now whether you've taken the jab or whether you have not should make not the blindest bit of difference to the principle of coercion and freedom it, it really shouldn't uh, because the principle stands above those kind of things freedom and your access to freedom and your freedom to move about your you know it, it, you know what is clear is that it, 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 perhaps i'm going to slightly tangential here, here uh, richie but what it seems to be clear to me is that what they want is to prolong the psychological conditions of, uh, psychological conditions of crisis in my view because it's the optimum Social petri dish for psychological or continued psychological manipulation to continue eroding your individual freedom of action and speech. Uh, we mentioned we started off actually talking about you know the, uh, the, the 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 use of the word crisis at the moment. You know we've got a we've, we've got a we've got a we've got a, a food crisis, we've got a housing crisis, crisis. yeah. We've got a climate crisis. We've got uh, an obesity crisis. You know, we've got a crisis of food deliveries. You know, we've got a a fuel crisis, a cost of living crisis. Everything is a crisis. And it is in these conditions, these, these conditions of uncertainty, where psychological manipulation, the disorientation of what used to be so certain about like i say our cultural inheritance the ground on which we are standing suddenly starts to become liquefied and uncertain and it is in those conditions that the uh, use of uh, the psychological uh, techniques you that have been used by our government you know this again this is true. It's documented. Yeah, there not is, by bankers. Know, this is what they are doing. Yeah, yeah. not by bankers the, the, or
0: shadowy men. These are your government ministers yeah. and 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 uh-huh. secretaries of state using this language. You yeah. mentioned the lack of incredulity. You know, your colleagues are jabbed. Yeah. They're they're they are not incredulous that you might lose your job. It's got nothing to do with your personality. It's the way things are. You have yeah. national news broadcasters. We heard on the programme yesterday, lying through their teeth when speaking on air to members of the public, telling them that the things they know to be 100% true, namely, the jabs are, you know, being issued under emergency use authorisation, telling those callers that they're lying. That this isn't true, and this is this is so easy to discover it's a very quick google yeah it's a, it's a fifteen second mm-hmm. and you're, you're a you're a class researcher you are i've just got to go on Google and find out that to be true and you've got guys gatekeepers in the media doing that you have to know that something very serious is coming
4: yeah, it, it, yeah. It, you, you're right this is this is setting the scene for a final act the uh, you know the, 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 the coordination, the, the lockstep, not only between departments within government, but also between internationally, between governments and between the, the, you know, the, the uh, co-located departments, you know, the, within within those governments, you know, the health departments in each each of the countries that we've mentioned, the home offices and their equivalents in each of those countries, they are all moving in exactly the same direction, and they are taking their steps at more or less the same time. Yeah. They are. And, you know, so I, I I think, you know, as you mentioned before about people coming for us, I think that that is sooner or later in whichever form that that happens, it will it will happen. Or, or let's put it this way, that I think that it is planned to happen. That is that is the thing at the moment is that they that I, I think that there is still some uncertainty that these plans will unfold in the way that they want to. And I, and I think, you know, that we, you, you mentioned hope before, and I have great hope. I have hope in those people that Sabi Javid said are those people. I have hope in us. So, you, know, we, you know, that we yeah. can develop our own networks in the way that you are at the center of an absolutely wonderful network of truth and of enlightenment and of honesty and of authenticity. And we must ensure that I think our very existence is a constant reminder to those who would control us that there will always be some resistance to totalitarian, totalitarianism and their vision of a future in which everything is prescribed, including thoughts.
0: Including your thoughts. And we have
4: to remind them, yeah, we have to remind them that, the, that those people will not compromise the truth. You mentioned, and you mean, you mentioned for thoughts. access to a version
0: of yeah. Well done. Sorry for interrupting that last because it's important, but yeah. will not compromise their freedoms for access to a version of yeah. a nightmarish reality, uh, basically. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, Stephen is our guest, he's a registered nurse. We've got about eight minutes left on this and uh you know you talk about freedom of thought. I <laughs> I, 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 I I'm I'm damn glad that I still find things funny. It keeps me it keeps me relatively <laughs> I think centred and balanced, but um, you know, it's no joke like that. Lesbians are being told that they are sick bigots because they wouldn't have sex with a man in a dress. You you know, and I'm being very crass there and crude, but you yeah. talk about freedom of thought. Like I read this story in great depth today, and I came across this woman on another mainstream radio show. She she's a genuine woman. This lesbian uh, lady Jenny. And she's like, a guy said that he would rather kill me before Hitler, um, because I'm a hate. And this is not a joke. This is genuine stuff. Yeah. Like you, in the future, if you're a lesbian, you won't be able to say, well, no, of course I don't fancy that person. It's a man in a dress, or it's it's a biological male who thinks he's yeah. he's a woman. All of this. Yeah. Do you think all of these things are connected? All of these things. All yeah, of these issues.
4: It, 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 yeah. It, it, there is there. there, 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 there there is a, a very good principle that, uh, language, uh, control, you know, the your, your, uh, your use of language controls your, uh, con- largely controls the thoughts that you think, uh, because they, because it's conceptual. So the larger vocabulary of language that you have, uh, tends to, uh, be reflected in the, you know, in, the, in, in, in the uh, greater uh, totality of your thoughts. So, uh, So the thoughts are are less instinctual that they are, you know, they're more conceptual. So language reflects thoughts. If you control the language, then you will largely control thought. And what thoughts you cannot control, you can then at least stop them being expressed. And that is where I think, you know, what, what you were leading to. It's not that we're being governed anymore. You we'll know, govern we're not ourselves being govern in relation to freedom of speech. We're actually being managed.
0: Managed. And, and self-censorship know, yeah. will, will play a big part in that. You just hit yeah. the nail on the head there. I'm mindful yeah. of the time, so Absolutely, let me ask yeah. you this. Um, yeah. Stephen is our guest. Uh, we've, we've got four and a half minutes left. You can talk through those four and a half minutes. I wanted, before we get to the people coming with the friendly faces to tell mm-hmm. you that you must be jabbed, What, in your opinion, might happen in the meantime? Let me give you a quick, I think something people should be very concerned about next year, maybe 2023. People should be very concerned about bail-ins, sudden bail-ins. People should watch that in terms of if you've got savings, if you've got money in a, in a, in a basic bank account um, you, you should be concerned They've Ed Conway the Times and Sky News economic correspondent, he's been even suggesting that the government should take a very quick tax to help pay for Covid, to basically steal from people's bank accounts, they did it in Cyprus, it's little thing, not, not little Jesus, it's things like that I think might occur in the meantime you've got the final word, what should we look out for in the interim period between them coming to tell you you must have the jab, more of the same, what do you think Stephen, we've got till about uh, we've got about four minutes left, go ahead
4: Okay. I, I think this is where we have the manufactured shortages. This is where we have uh, the, the, the word crisis being ramped up so that we will have, uh, if you think of Maslow's hierarchy of needs, you know, it's kind of like, you know, that you need shelter, you need warmth, you need food, you need, uh, you, you know, you need family and you, you know, you, 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 you need those kind of things. And, uh, if you remove any one of those particular uh, any 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 one of those particular levels, any one of those particular con- concepts of need, is that uh, then you you know you become uh, you, you you become less than what you are. You become vulnerable, and I think that what we are seeing at the moment is uh, the psychological priming of people for these uh, th- th- these manufactured shortages, manufactured crises. Don't be surprised if another, you know, variant kind of pops up. I'm sorry to use that word, but yeah, I think, I think that that's kind of on the cards. What they, and they will probably term it in kind of like it's an escape variant. Nice. Uh, and, the, and, and you can, you know, it will be blamed on the unvaccinated. And the reason for that will be to produce a group identity for the vaccinated. It's important that they have that group identity for the vaccinated, that they have a common bond. And that common bond will be their detestation of the unvaccinated. Absolutely. And it will be entirely manufactured. And I think that those will be the steps on the way to the you know, to, 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 to the things that you mentioned before, to the point where they, they lift the veil off their, their true intentions, and we will end up perhaps actually cashless, uh, where you will be monitored that you I mean if you think about even electric vehicles uh, you know in terms of the limitation of the range and things of that nature you know that you won't be able to travel so far you will be located you know in a, in a, in a, you know in a small geographical location uh, you'll be atomized from your family communications will be monitored and perhaps actually only allowed on the basis of your cooperation you know with the with you know with 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 the goals uh, in, in effect it is that social credit system and I think that that is exactly where we are heading. And I think that the word where all of this encompasses is control. With a, we have with a capital to be C controlled. I think ultimately it, it is about that, and nothing, absolutely nothing, can slip out from that control. Thoughts inside your head, the words that you express, and your actions associated. And yet or you, or and yet you or, still
0: hold out or, hope. Yeah. And yet you st- you still I will hold not out take hope. It, yeah. yeah. Yeah, neither yeah, will I, I.
4: I won't take it. And, and, and I absolutely hold out hope. I think that uh, those people, the existence of what Savage Abbey caused calls those people by its very existence is, uh, is an affront to them. And I think it's something, you know, we need, we need to be forming our own networks.
0: I will invite um, you back yeah, on again in the future. Yeah. I will. Uh, Thank I, you. I w- We'll stay in touch. I will be inviting you back on. You're in You're in the old, I've, I've still got a Rolodex. There you are. I'm, I'm not capitulating to technology. I've still got a Rolodex. Yeah. You're in there, Stephen. Thanks for sharing so much of that over the last um, a few weeks. And just good luck to you. You said something that I was, you know, it touched me greatly last time. You finished up last time by saying that you, you, you spoke out as you did because you couldn't look your wife or your daughter in the eye if you didn't do it. Yeah. And that's to your credit. Yeah.
4: Thank you. And they're, they're listening now. They, you know, they support me. They they support me, yeah. Look to those people who are closest to you, and you will find that they're you know they're utterly marvelous. That is what is important. That's that's where true importance lies.
0: God bless you and your family. And again, apologies yeah. for the screw up last night. Thanks for for your decency no. <laughs> in letting me away with it, Stephen. And look, I will be inviting yeah. you back. So thanks very
4: much. Thank you, thank you. Bye bye.
0: Cheers, mate. That was Stephen. And in case you don't know, Stephen is a registered NHS nurse working for a big trust, an NHS clinical researcher, and uh, he's uh, been incredibly candid about what he's witnessed since the beginning of this scam in 2020. Lovely guy. And uh, I will, of course, be inviting him back. He's very eloquent. And very well read. And thanks again to Layla Sentner from the Sentner Cent- Academy in Florida. What a breath of fresh air she was in our one as well. Uh, thanks to CJ, by the way. Uh, bookitcj.com bookitcj.com or or is it cjbookit.com I can't remember I'll do it right next time thanks for listening today thanks for your time thanks for all the messages on the website for for corresponding with your opinions and chatting with one another you and I will chat again tomorrow what have I got lined up have I got nada again nada niente absolutely I'm absolutely brutal is what I am. I've got nada lined up, so let me line something up very quickly. See, I was wrapped up in what Stephen was saying, honest to God, and uh, I didn't uh, have a song ready. So I've just dragged anything out, so it could be anything. Enjoy the rest of your Tuesday. Until tomorrow at five o'clock, look after yourselves and one another. Bye from the BBG. Bye now.